Okay, I bet. So, Noel, I guess some big questions to start this off. What does it all even really mean? Who is FETA? What is the Fediverse? What is Detective FETA even investigating in the first place? Um, FETA is a purple rat. Um, and no, that is very either. Um, I like to make <laughs> that clear. Um, he is a detective, but it is very personal cases because who the fuck wants to work for like actual detective detectives or cops? That's kind of cringe. So he just kind of goes off with his own cases and uses the resources of the force um, to continue and vibe. Um, but I'm writing a bit more of a, a deeper story for it. Um, with the help of some friends and stuff like that. Shout out Alu. Um, but it, it's going to have a bit deeper story where it's going to be a bit more of like a sci-fi twist. Um, and then the, the sort of twist will sort of fit itself in there as well. That sounds really cool. Now I'm excited to see the lore get a little more developed out and everything because the world building and lore part of all of this has always been like one of the parts that I've really enjoyed. I have some more questions about that later. But um, yeah, that'll be really sick. I love that. So next up, I've uh, I've heard some allegations that the Fediverse has photorealistic weed. One, is this true? And two, does Feta smoke big kush? Yeah, this is confirmed um, on both ends. Of course, um, I'm actually putting realistic weed as like a quest, like little mini game, in like the hope world I'm making right now too. So it's pretty badass. Shout out the realistic weed. That's crazy. Holy shit. So there is photorealistic weed in the Fediverse. And um, I think that counts as financial advice. The SEC has been alerted just to let you know. But um, fuck the yeah, SEC. that's good to know. <laughs> no, that's so real. All right. Plus two. That was great. <laughs> no, thanks. Okay, so as we were starting the space, we were talking a little bit about how your SR Genesis got a bid last night. Um, we already talked about this a little bit, but like to expand on it, like how does it feel to finally be on SR after like a couple of years of wanting to get on there? And has it been really exciting to find success over there so so quickly with that Genesis piece getting a bit? Um, yeah, it, it feels really good. Um, it it kind of sucks that um, I think some of the success in this space is gatekeeped behind um, a platform in some sense. Um, but it is sort of the place where people are looking at art a bit more, um, especially compared to like uh, OpenSea or other things like that. So to be able to have that opportunity to have my art in front of more eyes, um, it is very nice and exciting. And then what was the second part? I was asking, like, how, how does it feel to be finding success over there so quickly as well? Like, with the piece getting a bit. Shout out Aaron again for that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, big shout out to Aaron. Um, I wasn't expecting that fully. Um, I, yeah, like I mentioned before, too, I was kind of overthinking a bit. I was like, maybe I'll remove the reserve and stuff like that. Um, but I think I, I think that, again, comes back to me just not doing auctions more. Um, so I think I, I'm happy to have waited and um, was a bit more patient with it as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because how many days was it that you had it up before it got that bid? I can't imagine it was more than, like, what, like three, four, five days or something, right? Yeah, I think it was four or five days, just about a week. Yeah, I meant to yeah. August um, 11th. No, that's awesome, yeah. Because I know that you had that you had that one of one that I believe you did on the Manifold contract or maybe on Foundation, the one that was listed at 5 ETH, but you really don't do one of ones that often, do you? Yeah, I think it. I, I find it a bit harder to probably get those out, out there, I think. Um, 
but they're also like way ahead of the league, you know, um, the full package situation. So I understand people not fully understanding it yet. Can yeah, you elaborate something. a bit on that? Yeah. Like what the full package about. is? Yeah. Um, so I, I took a bit of inspiration from Joy. Um, he's, he's the one that actually sort of got me into 3D sculpting and everything like that. Um, uh, with the 3D characters that I provide to people and like the one of ones that I sort of have on my, my Metaphor contract, um, I do provide like a GLB file, a Vox file, um, uh, a FBX file, and then also a VRM file. Um, and this really allows that, that person to either be able to display that in any sort of sense within like a virtual gallery, um, a virtual game or anything like that, or actually be that character as a player as well. Um, so things like Webiverse, for example, you can just easily drag and drop that character and then you can sort of use that as your identity across the internet and stuff like that. Um, but there's a lot of other things like um, I make like 3D printed toys made by myself um, and I sort of offer that as like a, a physical along with it. Um, and then also like a, um, a profit split sort of collab piece uh, with the collector and stuff. So it's like a lot and stuff. Um, I definitely have to get better at sort of advertising it um, in a bit more of a digestible way. <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy to me because, like, I know that um, I with this this kind of this discussion that I'm about to bring up has been like beat to death pretty much. But there's been the discussion many many times on the timeline within this community of like utility along with pieces and utility along with collectibles and with art and all of that. And I think where we've all kind of landed multiple times is that art doesn't necessarily have to have utility, but that's something that is really incredible to me about your work is the fact that like you really do go, do go above and beyond to make sure that like there is that aspect of it to where it's like, not only is the art amazing, but then you're like, you're bringing so much to the table with it as well. Yeah, that's something I actually had like, I used to be a big hater about too, where when collectors were like, artists need to start providing utility and I'm like utility these nuts um yeah, I guess more to learn about what you're sort of creating there are small little like actual utility things I was looking at utility more of like I have to make that person money and I, I don't like that obligation um but being able to provide them things that um I guess isn't like major promises is like a lot more accepting in, in my mind and, and it feels a bit more comfortable. And you do also bring photorealistic weed to the table as we just talked about. So that's, that's huge utility as well. Also very true. Real. But, um, so yeah, so going back a little bit to the discussion of like one of ones versus editions, that is something that's always really stood out to me about the way that you meant is like the amount of editions that you put out versus the one of ones. So, Besides the fact that one of ones are a little bit more difficult to sell, is there any reasoning behind why you'd like to lean on minting editions versus one of ones? And then also, do you think that that methodology will change at all at any point to lean more towards one of ones? Um, I really enjoy the aspect of editions um, because they kind of relate to the style of work that I do. Um, I think the Feta versus storyline is very sporadic and all over the place um, with like new creatures and things sort of popping up randomly. And not everything will sort of stick within that storyline either. Um, so additions allows it to be like a really um, accessible way for people to sort of support me and my art um, without having to put like a huge sort of price tag on it and, and allow people to sort of follow the story as well. Um, 
but it also allows me just to continue experiment with 3D. Uh, I mean, I'm always making like new 3D uh, renders or sculpting new things like every day. Um, but it allows me to, I guess, feel a bit more focused and rewarded from what I learn with uh, the 3D work that I create and the story that I'm putting together. Um, but again, yeah, mostly um, making my art a bit more accessible. That makes a lot of sense. And I think maybe this is just like kind of a alternate effect that happens to come about it. But one thing that I've always thought about with my own art and with like other art that I've seen is that like additions make it easier to have a wider collector base. And then there's, there's going to be more people that are looking at your work and that are like actively invested in success of it and everything. Has there ever been like any sort of thought towards anything like that? Or is it more so just about making sure it's accessible? I guess, yeah, that kind of does lead into like the accessibility of it. Um, I think I have sort of established like some true OG fans um, without sort of leaning into like the people that are like whim or utility and like price go up. It's just people that sort of enjoy the art. Um, I guess that, that comes with like the way I advertise it and stuff too. Yeah, definitely. And it, it really is crazy. You really have, I think, and I think this is partially due to the additions, but like, you've built a real cult following around the whole Fediverse thing. Like we saw last night with all the purple rat tweets and everything. Like it seemed like almost every influential artist in the space was like tweeting up purple rat. And this all happened within the course of like a couple hours. Like that, that's not something that you see very often. In the space. That was crazy. That was, you know, the marketing team went crazy for that one. <laughs> no, no, I was going crazy in my chair. That was, that was really badass to see. Um, and made me, made me really happy to sort of know everybody that I have met within this space as well. Um, it's a big shout out to everybody here as well, too. I see a lot of cuties. Oh, God. On Feta, actually. But yeah, no, I, I thought that was really cool. I think it just says a lot about, like, the way that you release work and, like, the way that you move throughout the space and everything. Like, I think a lot of that does really come from the fact you do try to make your work accessible and the fact that, like... <clears throat> There's so many different reasons to be attached to it. And so far as like the lore and the world building and like the fact that you've done stuff with like partnerships with the Webiverse team and everything, like it's just, it's built this very like very broad base of people who like care about like the things that you're working on, which is really cool. Yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's like, um, it's like a slow buildup. Um, and I definitely prefer that because um, I, I would go, crazy if it was just like overnight or something like that <laughs> no yeah and you definitely you work your ass off too so like so speaking about the webiverse thing a little bit so how how did that come about and then also what was it like working on that what has it been like over the past couple of weeks as now webiverse has had their launch and everything i'd just like to hear a little bit more about the whole situation in general yeah um i actually found out about webiverse through uh joy again uh, we were in VR chat sort of sharing, we were like showing each other the, the worlds that we, we created and stuff like that. Um, and uh, we I, I brought up the fact that I, I hate like VR chat and Unity and like having to like go into like a whole different program just to make a world and then go back out and all that. Um, and he's like, oh, well, why don't you try Webiverse? Um, I'm like, what, what the fuck is that? Um, and so he sort of linked all the information for it. Um, and I was able to sort of pick it up within like the same day, a couple hours later, I had like a, a world created that I made in VR chat, um, sort of like right off the bat, uh, made in Webiverse. Um, and, and I think that's what really hooked me the most was, um, just the speed of being able to create things within it. Um, because I think that that slows down a lot of people when trying to 
to sort of make virtual worlds for people to sort of experience is the workflows are very all over the place. Uh, you need something that's just right off the bat, drag and drop, and you're ready to go. Definitely, that makes sense. And that actually kind of brings me to something that I wanted to talk about a little bit more. And I was hoping that it would just kind of come up naturally in conversation. I didn't have any questions written down about it. But speaking about Webiverse and the whole like, ease of access and all of that, it kind of like brings me back a little bit to the conversation that we had about Open Metaverse the other day. Um, I I just love to hear a little, a little more about like your individual thoughts on that and your individual thoughts on like building within the space and kind of like leaning very heavily into the technology part of it as far as like building in metaverse and trying to like always be on top of using new tools and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's been really fun sort of exploring, um, I guess you could say like the, this metaverse sector of the space. Um, it, it's a lot to learn, but I think that's why I like it. Cause it is sort of like a rabbit hole that you can dive into. Um, but yeah, I th I'm a big supporter of like the open metaverse sort of standards. Um, I think, if, if people were able to add their own characters into games and, and sort of virtual worlds um, very easily, we'd see a lot more sort of creative um, platforms and things uh, sort of popping up. Um, and and you would be lying to yourself if you don't think that, like, we will be, like, leading heavily towards, like, a virtual world. Um, I mean, because all of us are sitting here on Twitter all day. So <laughs> already, like, halfway there. Um, so, I mean, yeah. Uh, I guess it's like a bit forward thinking, but um, it, it's it's definitely stuff to be thought about um, to be sure that it's not all owned by like uh, Mr. Zucky uh, and stuff like that. That makes a lot of sense. So actually, so yeah, so let's dive into that a little more. So what do you think the world is going to look like 10, 20 years from now? How do you feel like you're kind of like optimizing for that with what you're building and everything? Um. That's a good question. I don't know about 10, 20 years from now, but my optimal view of like the future would definitely be like contact glasses where you're like a bunch of screens all over the, the your view and stuff. That's pretty badass. Just super futuristic type stuff. But I definitely think there's going to be a major sort of virtual world that we're entering into sort of like um, uh, Snow Crash or like uh, Ready, Play Ready Player Me and stuff like that. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty common one that, that sort of people hub around in. Um, but uh, I don't know when the hell that will happen. <laughs> AR glasses, similar to what you described, already exist. They're only like 400 bucks. So they're not far off. Yeah, I feel like we, we're pretty close there. It just has to be um, made a bit more accessible, like phones and stuff, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, talk about that whole experience of like AR glasses and like kind of like having that be more like integrated into the real world and everything. Do you think that that kind of thing being more accessible would affect the things that you're building and all that? Because that is something that's really interesting to me. And I already kind of brought this up a little bit, but like it seems like you really like to stay on top of like technology and innovation and everything. Like, would that in particular as an advancement like affect the way that you create things and what you're building? Um, I've dived into a bit of AR stuff. Um, I think it's pretty cool, but yeah, and I think the limits of what AR right now is, it, it, it does limit like my work style a bit. Um, I can't really put like full scenes and stuff like that sort of in a, 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 a like a actually visually appealing AR sort of setup. So I think 
um, once it sort of grows a bit more and, and expands a bit more, I think I'll definitely be able to work it into my workflow a bit more. Um, but yeah, right now I feel like it is a bit limiting for me. That makes sense. Yeah, it definitely seems like as far as like technological advancements, there's a lot of people that are building for augmented reality, but it seems like virtual reality is like kind of a little bit ahead right now. And it seems like you are kind of optimizing for that at the moment with like building it in, in the web version all that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I mean, it definitely could be like a big mix, but I think um, virtual spaces, um, there will still be a place for them, definitely, even with like a, a big boom of AR and stuff like that. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, so speaking about like your work process and all of that, so this was a little bit before I even became familiar with the work, but just since we're all we're all friends and we're all in the same DAO, I've heard about this. So if I remember correctly, what you first started with as far as the art goes was music, right? Yeah, I started making um, beats and uh, did vocals and stuff. Um, a lot of it was pretty cringe, but there's like one or two good songs left up there, out there. Yeah, we don't we don't have to give people the alpha or anything. They can go find it if they want to. But I'm just kind of curious, like, what originally made you want to get into that, and how do you feel your history with music evokes your work today? Um, I've always been wanting to get into some form of creativity. Um, I used to make like video edits and stuff like that. But my grandma was an art teacher, and I stayed with her when I was younger um, for for quite a bit. Um, and she used to just always encourage like creativity without trying to force me to do like a specific style or anything. Um, so I think I would, I would reward, um, I mean, not reward. I would, I would give more credit to my grandma um, for um, influencing my, my art style a bit more nowadays. Um, but I think music helped me sort of, I don't know. I mean, it helps me make music for my actual pieces now. Uh, I'm happy that I learned that skill. Um, I got into music just because I was a very emo kid <laughs> and wanted to just cry about stuff on like music so yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah and then i i think you might have gotten into this a little bit but like how do you feel like the the art that you're making right now is affected by the background that you have in music like um i know that like i know there are instances like you've done like a lot of your own like self-production and stuff that like like as far as the music you hear in the one-of-ones and things like that like i'd love to hear a little bit more about that process so one more time sorry yeah i was just asking about like how the history and music kind of affects your workflow these days like i know that you do a lot of them like on the, your own like self-production or for instance like the um any of the additions the one-on-ones and stuff like that how does that kind of work in your workflow and um how does that like history with music affect all that um I don't know. That that is an interesting question. Um, I think I enjoy it because I do have that ability to sort of do like um, a bit more fleshed out pieces, like audio um, sound effects, and and then like a beat and everything like that. Um, but I I don't know how it would sort of reflect on my art now, just because my music back then was very very uh, emo, and then my art now is very uplifting. I'd say. That makes a lot of sense. And this wasn't even something that I had, read, that I had written down as a question or anything, but like, how, um, do you think that that was like very much in line with like your feelings towards life and like how things changed over time? And like did the, did the art kind of like naturally become a little more happy and all that as life progressed for you? Um, it was definitely like a, a sort of 
uh, a thing that I had to tell myself. Um, that's why I kind of stopped painting because uh, painting was also something that I feel like sort of promoted a bit more negativity for myself or I was focusing a lot of negative emotions and trying to um, put it into the paintings. Um, but me switching to like 3D, um, I was able to sort of switch that up and, and try to focus a bit more on uplifting vibes and, and things that help me sort of uh, stay happy and stuff like that instead of uh, sulking on it and stuff. That's really interesting. I never would have thought that. And I never really like, I don't think we've ever really talked about that at all. That actually kind of brings me a little bit to my next question too. I was basically going to ask the same question as, as I asked for the music one, but with painting. So I actually, when I started following you, it was when you were in the painting era. And I always kind of wondered like how similar that artistic process was to your 3D work. I mean, clearly, like, as you said, like you were in a little bit of a men different mental state when you were working on the painting versus the 3D and all of that. But are there any similarities at all that you do notice with that process? Um, a lot of my paintings were just like weird abstract creatures back then as well. Um, and then I used to do a lot of like little graffiti stickers where, which was just like, a, like hundreds of like little weird character faces and stuff. Um, so I think painting helped a lot, um, with entering into 3d cause I had like ideas of things. Um, but I couldn't necessarily uh, bring it into reality with just like a, a 2d uh, canvas, um, so I was I was really uh, pleased with like how I what I learned from painting, um, and sort of diving deep into that um, to sort of bring that into three D as well. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I feel like judging from like what I know about your painting work from back in the day, and what I see with your three D work, it seems like they're both like a very free form kind of like very creative and playful kind of process. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I like. Um just being sort of fun with it um i don't really like doing like um super perfected 3d models um i really enjoy like the, the nice uh, free flow of like uh like clay like models and stuff like that that makes a lot of sense to me yeah that uh that definitely checks out um and another thing about the 3d work like do you do you usually go into things with much of a plan or is it kind of like more of a like free form kind of thing uh, when it comes to characters, um, definitely a bit more free flow. Um, but when it's like uh, making worlds or um, sort of scenes and stuff like that, uh, I do have to sort of like uh, sit down and like think about it for a bit. Um, I usually just sort of like um, scroll Pinterest or watch YouTube to to like get like a, a good idea, basically. Um, but yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And also, so I just got a, I just got a reminder as well. This is, so usually the format for these interviews is that we kind of like keep it a little bit closer towards the end. But um, since Noel is like part of the DAO and part of the family here, we're open to like people coming up on stage to ask questions and kind of participate in the discussion. So I'm going to continue asking some questions, but like if anybody does want to come up to ask questions, please feel free. And then Sim, I know you're on stage as well. If you have any questions or anything, please feel free to participate. But going off of what you just said, that's actually really similar to one of the questions that I did have down. So when it comes to like the lore and world building aspects, you just said that like you'll like scroll through Pinterest and stuff like that. Are there any other like contemporaries or anything in pop culture that you look to for inspiration for those parts? And for like building out the world of the metaverse? Um, definitely always big shout out to Joy because um, he's the one that sort of got me into like the 3D and stuff. Um, but definitely another big shout out to, I'd say like Ocean World. Um, uh, Cause is a very, uh, very good artist too. Um, I don't know. I, I like a lot of uh, a big mix of different artists. Um, 
but I'm definitely bad at like naming them. <laughs> yeah, that kind of that brings me to another question that just kind of just kind of came to mind randomly. But when it comes to like art that you consume, that like you're interested in, that you just like view kind of as a fan, what kind of stuff do you end up like being more attracted to? Do you do you like other three D work, or is there like a specific other style that you're interested in usually? Um, I'm, uh, yeah, definitely, um, more, more recently I've been more, um, involved with like 3D artists and stuff like that. Um, like, yeah, like Ocean World I mentioned, and then, um, I think Alec, uh, FBX or something is another one. Um, there's a lot of cool 3D artists on Instagram that do like low poly and stuff like that, uh, that I've been learning about. Um, but I, I, I do, I'm still a big fan of like other artists. Um, uh, Ralph Steadman is one artist that will always stick with me, um, I really enjoy his vibes too. A lot of his old videos are really cool. That's really cool. I know that I know just from being your friend as well that like you're very into music and I always see you like sending links into the chat that like I don't know, not stuff that's like crazy underground, but stuff that like not necessarily like any random person on the street would be familiar with or whatever. Do you feel like the background of music kind of makes you interested in like still like staying tapped in with new stuff that comes out and all that? I'm actually, I feel like I'm pretty bad at being tapped into, like, new music. I, I was falling to, like, holes um, of listening to the same thing. But, um, yeah, I, I try to find some, like, weird stuff. I like a lot of, like, hyper-pop, um, house, um, hip-hop, just, like, random shit. Um, SoundCloud's still pretty good to, like, find some good gems, too. Definitely. I feel like your work, like, really kind of, like, in a way, has that like hyper pop and house kind of feel to it too. Like, is it, are do you find yourself very uh, very inspired by music? Yeah, music is a major pro, 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 like process of me like making art. Um, I either have to like make the beat or like I'm constantly listening to like music no matter what. Um, so yeah, music is a must. That's real. So like, what kind of music do you usually listen to when you're sculpting? Do you like if do you make something and then listen to that kind of on loop, or are you listening to like a specific kind of genre? Um, recently, it's been this jazz house playlist that um, Rico, um, the Whiskers Mister, um, he sent me a playlist and it's been badass. Um, I've been playing that a lot, um, and then also I've been playing the song "I Wonder" from Kanye West on repeat. Um, I'm not sick of it yet, but I, I've been going like three or four days and I listen to it. Yo, that's crazy because that was actually stuck in my head this morning and I found myself kind of singing and I was like, I need to just listen to this on repeat for like a half hour later. So I, I felt that one. I'm definitely going to need so a jazz house playlist too. That sounds sick. I don't think I've heard an oh, yeah, I can like definitely that. Say that. Cool. But I want to go back to the SR piece a little bit. So we talked about how like the, the Genesis got a bid. You were excited to be on Super in general. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about with like the process on that piece in particular? Like, I feel like the the world building you do within your work has gotten more and more involved over time, and that piece in particular seems to involve a lot of it. I think it would be cool to hear more about that. Yeah, the arcade um, is really like a, a, a sort of like a roundtable of what I'm actually building for the long run, which is the the big sort of Fediverse city. Um, uh, I did try to include sort of like the major characters that I, I sort of work with a lot and stuff like that. And if you like listen closely to like um, behind me screaming, like I'm just chilling and all the music and stuff like that. Um, uh, there's like business frog um, trying to like buy the arcade from Mr. Fish. 
Um, so yeah, there's like small little lore secrets within it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, a very big piece of like um, the bigger project and, and hub world that I've been building out. Um, and like, it's a nice little chill space that they hang out in. <laughs> no, that's real. Also, I was a bribe to bring up this next question. So who actually inspired Business Frog anyways? I did. Yeah, no. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> nah, there's this dude called uh, Crypto Joe. He's pretty chill. Um, he's the business frog, so Fed is manager, you know? Shout out to Crypto Joe. Real. Yeah, he's all right, I guess. He's all right. He's but, okay. Um, he's an okay yeah, he's, he's okay. But, um... Okay, so diving a little more to the little bit more thing, I'd like to like I'd like to like kind of hear about that in general too. So as we talked about, you started off with music and painting, and um, then you brought in three D into your work, and you said that a little bit of that just was just was just because of like three D kind of like putting you in a little bit of like a like a little bit more of an up mental space, like like happy, making happy work and all of that. So obviously, there's a lot more to the Fediverse than just art and the three D and the three D animations and the models you create. What was it about 3D as a medium that made you want to expand upon the war and world building to, to like create the Fediverse? Um, I guess just the speed of which I could create things and then also um, making it so that others can sort of enter that world as well. Um, like just having like a, a little world on a browser that someone opens up on their phone or, or computer and actually be able to like walk around the piece, I guess you could say or like the environment that I have laid out. Um, Cause I feel like that's like the closest we have to like being able to actually experience 3D. Um, because sometimes I feel like, like just video or pictures um, doesn't always do the justice of like what a, a full 3D scene can be and stuff like that. Um, so uh, that really inspired me to hop into 3D. Um, just sort of being able to expand on what you're creating and then have others join that experience as well. I love that. So are those like urges that you had even like going back to the music and painting or was that something that kind of like developed as you got into 3D? I think it definitely developed when I got into 3D. Um, like when I was painting and stuff like that, I don't think I really created any sort of like necessarily like world, I guess you could say. Um, I think there's a few pieces that in involved like a city, um, which I did sort of incorporate within like uh, Feta and stuff like that. Uh, when I first started in 3D. Um, but yeah, I think is when I first got into 3D and like focusing on a singular character is when like the idea of world building and, and character development really started flowing with me as well. That makes a lot of sense. I wonder like, do you feel like there was any sort of like personal urge even with the music and the painting for people to like be very involved with it and like connect with it in some sort of personal way? Um. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think, I guess you could say, yeah. Um, I think music and painting, um, again, were a bit more depressing, but I think experiencing people still being able to relate to those back then as well um, was a really nice experience as well. Yeah, so it sounds like those were like a little more expressive and with 3D, like kind of like brought up this urge of like wanting people to like be more part of the process and like actually actively involved. Does that sound right? Yeah, and actually sort of be in that world. Um, 
although I'm very bad at, at making that better in words, I guess you could say. <laughs> but we're working on that. We're working on that. No, but I think that's really cool, though. I, I definitely get what you're saying, at least, though. But, um, okay, so I'm going to switch it up a little bit. So we talked a little, we talked about NFTs a little bit, obviously, already. We talked about, like, additions versus one-on-one and the super genesis and all that. But I'm kind of curious to go way back, like, what originally did make you want to get into this space? Was it seeing, like, other artists kind of getting on Super Rare and, like, making some sales and all that, and you wanted to experiment with it? Or did you have, like, some sort of experience with crypto pre-NFTs that made you want to get into it when you saw NFTs? Yeah, so I actually had a bit of experience with crypto before NFTs. Um, I used to, like, run Minecraft servers and forums. Um, and I would accept crypto for like upgrades and stuff like that within those. Um, obviously, I was pretty young, so I, I did not keep any of that money. Um, but it did give me the experience to sort of understand what was going on there. Um, so when I saw like Ferocious um, and a lot of those other artists like Jonathan Wolf and everything like that, um, I think in 2020, uh, sort of entering the space, um, it was really fascinating to see like, oh, I don't have to sit here and try to sell my prints because I suggest that that too um, made all this sort of digital um, uh, sort of wave a, a try. Um, and I think me entering NFTs also really helped me push my art a bit more too um, because I did start sort of animating my paintings like digitally and stuff like that and sort of start learning like Photoshop and After Effects and stuff like that. Um, and I don't think I would ever have done that if it wasn't for like NFTs and stuff. And then again, NFTs did sort of help me sort of uh, dive deeper into like 3D and like making games and, and world building and stuff like that. So um, I give NFTs a decent amount of credit for sort of helping me push like exploring um, my sort of creativity as well. Um, I think it's just nice to be able to focus on the art without having to um, worry about like where I'll, I'll pay the next bill and stuff like that. Um, and, and I can just focus on creating that art as well. I love that. So speaking to like the past experience with forums and all of that stuff, and then even more so like with the music and the painting and the rework, do you feel like picking up new skills with all of this has always been easy? Like what's your learning process usually like when you're picking up like a new medium or learning something new? Because I know I specifically I'm thinking back to like a couple of days where when you first started messing around with like the Unity templates and all that and like started trying to create games, it was like you picked it up so quickly. And I was, I was honestly really impressed by that. So I'd love to just like hear a little bit about how you learn and what your experiences with that. I think my learning process is smoking a lot of weed, um, staring at it um, and pushing random buttons in like new programs until I get pissed off enough to like watch a YouTube video or something. Um, and then I'll wait like a couple more days of just not even touching it. And then I'll go back to it. And then I guess it just sort of like works a bit better in my brain. Um, so to like fuck up on something and then go back to it, it, it just flows better, I guess. <laughs> as easy as I can explain it. That's kind of fascinating. So you do kind of like have almost that kind of like perspective of like, wanting to move fast, break things at the start, and then kind of like take a little more time to learn about it and then give it another try. Yeah, that's how I learned Blender too. Um, I never did like the donut tutorial or anything. Um, I think my first piece in Blender was um, like a bunch of people shaking their ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you just got to find what works best. And I kind of like, it's just how I work, yeah. 
Same yeah, with painting. Really I just was like throwing paint at, at the canvas until I kind of like found a, like a flow for it as well. That makes a lot of sense. So how long did it take you to, to learn how to create photorealistic weed in the Fediverse? Um, I didn't make the weed. Oh, that was just like, a, that was just a model don't sue me. or something. Yeah. So <laughs> the dank nug from, um, um, dank VR. So shout out him. Oh, word. Well, I mean, we already notified the SEC, but I, I maybe there'll be a lawsuit too. Who knows? All right. So I, another question that I was bribed to ask. So I think you would want me to ask, what did you use the $45 in shipping costs to you for? Was that used to build, to like fund building the Fediverse? Funded the weed to my, my mouth. That's pretty base. That's, that's honestly yeah. what I would use 45 bucks for right now too. So I, I kind of get that. Yeah. So shout out me for that one. <laughs> I wish he was here. Cause I kind of wish he could ask that himself, but, <laughs> but on a real note though, I'm kind of curious, like how has making sales and making more money to fund creating affected your work? Like, I know the whole DAO thought it was pretty wild when you started exploring, you like using mocap for your work. Have there been any other big changes to your process like that, that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to work off of a laptop. So I think um, being able to make money from my art, not only to pay the bills, but also to sort of in, improve my working um, equipment is definitely a great plus. No, that totally makes sense. Have there been like any other like big acquisitions that you feel have changed your work in a build in a big way? Like what have been like some of the biggest changes for you? Um, as far as like new hardware? Probably just upgrading to a desktop um, and being able to work with like bigger scenes and stuff like that. Um, because I, I think I had a lot of big ideas when I first started making 3D and then I had to struggle with like my stuff crashing or not being able to move anything because it's just moving so slow. Um, so yeah, I think I always put it up to the computer, but being able to have like trackers and stuff like that for animation, um, cause I'm, I can't focus when I'm doing like keyframe animation. <laughs> I'm really bad at it sometimes. So like having trackers and mocap definitely, um, was a, a bit big plus for that as well too. And then always, um, VR because I wouldn't be able to make 3D models without a VR headset because I don't know how. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so another thing that I'm wondering too is like when it comes to the process of building out those big scenes that you need the PC for, where do you start with that? And like, what does that process look like? Like, do you start with like kind of like building out the, the scenery first? Do you start with like building out the characters and everything? Does it change up? Now that I do animations nowadays, um, I've been really working on cleaning up my workflow. Um, so I have a lot of my characters sort of pre-rigged uh, and in folders and, and ready. Um, and then so that way when I go into sculpting, I don't really have to focus on sculpting a character unless I'm sculpting a new one. Um, and then I can focus more on like the scenery. So like um, definitely the, the initial landscape, um, I'll try to lay out. Um, and then I try to block off um, whatever like the background or the sides and stuff so it doesn't look like it's just a empty world um especially when i'm making like smaller scenes um but recently i have been focusing on trying to keep my models a bit smaller i guess you could say um because i have been leaning more towards like video game stuff and um virtual worlds and stuff like that and and you, you do have to optimize the fuck out of your models and that has been a whole nother learning process. Um, but it's been pretty fun. 
Yeah, that's kind of actually, so getting a little bit into that, that was kind of actually part of the, part of the reason I was asking this question in the first place is like, thinking about the Webiverse city, I just hadn't thought of like how crazy it must have been to build out like a whole city like that. Like, <laughs> like where do you even begin doing something like that? Yeah, <laughs> I wrote a little article on it. Oh, it's not little, I'm sorry. It's a little long, so I don't know. If you have time to read it, feel free. Um, but it 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 was it's taken about three to four different variations of the city itself, and I've been working on it for about I want to say three months or so. Um, it's always been like a small little task of mine, um, but I've definitely been a bit more focused on it recently. Um, but yeah, it's it's been I would say it's been hell. <laughs> Making a city is hard. Um, but it is very rewarding uh, now that it is starting sort of like uh, it feels a lot more pieced together and full now um, instead of just like a bunch of filler buildings that, that didn't really make sense and stuff like that. Um, but I think um, taking on that, the idea of building a whole city is just um, a lot of inspiration, a lot of looking at video games and, and seeing how they sort of set things up uh, helps a lot as well. That makes a lot of sense. I'm actually trying to find a tweet to the Medium article just so we can share that with the audience. Is there anything in particular that you would recommend like, looking up to try to find that quick so we can pin it? Oh, wait. Okay, okay wait. I think I just found it. My journey of creating a Fediverse hub world? Yeah, that's it. My okay. bad. I tweeted it. Oh, no, you're good, dude. I, I was using Twitter search anyways. I didn't bother scrolling back. So I just pinned that up to the top if anybody does want to like open up a new tab and check that out after the interview. But um. So yeah, so I'm getting pretty close to finishing up the questions that I had written out. If anybody does want to come up, um, we, we've had it open pretty much this entire time, but feel free to just request up and we'll bring you up to ask any questions. But um, yeah, to kind of to kind of finish off, I have two more. So what's next for the Fediverse? I know you're working on a lot of a lot on building things with other projects like Webiverse right now, and you just got accepted to Super Rare, plus you have that option kicked off. I feel like there's a lot of different places you could go from here. I'd love to hear a short list of like what the next plans are and what you have in store for us. Um, I don't like making any big promises because I am just vibing. Um, but uh, heavily working on lore that people can follow, um, which uh, will definitely lead to hopefully uh, maybe a bit more longer animations, um, in a sense of like um, episodes and stuff, and then definitely like a comic and stuff like that, so people can follow the story a bit more. Um, but just more characters, um, because I think. I definitely want to expand on sort of like uh, the characters that I provide for people to collect. Um, and then I definitely need to hop back into game dev. I've been taking a little break from that, uh, focusing on just like optimization skills and stuff like that. But yeah, um, just some small goals. Um, and I think it will continue to flesh out. Yeah, I think that's really cool. So that actually, so, okay, so I'm, I lied. I have one more question just because one came to mind. So as far as the game dev stuff, is that something you really want to expand upon even more in the future? Like, I know that you've experimented a lot with, like, the Unity templates and stuff. Do you have any interest in, like, potentially even building things from scratch at some point? Yeah, I've been um, wanting to dive in a, a bit further. Um, I really want to dive into multiplayer aspects um, instead of just, like, single-player single player games. Um, I think... It's something that scares me a bit, but um, trying to figure out, like, how multiplayer works and and sort of laying that out for something pretty simple at first and then diving a bit deeper there um, will definitely um, be pretty badass. But yeah, I think I really want to start fleshing out bigger games and, and, and longer things as well. 
That's really cool. So I have to ask, since like a lot of the DAO does play Fortnite a ton, when are we getting Fed at night? Like if you're working on multiplayer, we need the Fed of Battle Royale for sure. What if I said there's no guns in the Fediverse? People can't die in the Fediverse, Will. Come on. Hmm. You I feel, feel like we can, we can find some sort of workaround. Like, maybe it's like Pokemon where people just get, like, knocked out or something. I don't know. You can, like, toss borders or somebody. I think we, I think we can workshop this. Maybe, like, it's a gun and it shoots, like, mushrooms or, like, bubbles or, like, weed at you. Um... That would be a pretty funny FPS, actually. Yeah, maybe. Uh, down the line, definitely. Um, I want to do a fighter game with all the people, though. That'd be funny. <laughs> all the kids. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, I said it kind of jokingly, but that's actually kind of a cool idea. Like, if you did some sort of shooter like that, but it was, like, very playful and, like, really matched the vibe of, like, the whole Fediverse and everything. I like that. Yeah, if I definitely did a shooter, it would definitely be uh, playful as hell. Just goofy. That makes sense. I like that. Love that. Okay, so one more time, if we have any questions or anything, feel free to come up. But this is the last one that I have, so if we don't get any questions or anything, we'll probably end it after this one. So do you have any parting words of advice you would give to any other artists in the audience? audience? Just focus on making art. Um, I mean, I can't fully say it because I overthink a lot too, but try not to overthink the social media stuff. Um, Make art and enjoy your time with it as well. Um, and connect with more people online. Um, I know that stuff's scary, um, but it helps a lot sort of making connections and, and getting to know more people in the space as well. Um, and then 3D advice, um, take each step one at a time and don't overwhelm yourself with one, like everything at once because 3D is all over the place. So I like to tell people that are learning 3D to try to take your time with like rigging, for example, spend a couple months on that. Animation, spend a couple months on that, and so on and so forth. That's really cool. And that actually, so one of the things that you said, I just want to like kind of echo it because it's something that we, I like to ask this question most of the interviews that I handle myself. And um, it's one that like multiple people have repeated now. Like I know Vinny said that, you said that, we've had, we've had a few other people say it's like, just to connect with people. Like if you can kind of find like a tribe or a collective or something you fit in with online that have, similar goals as you and everything it's it's for sure worthwhile to become a part of that and to kind of like try to just learn from the people around you and grow with them so i, I was really stoked when you said that and bubble i believe that uh you requested up here up here now do you have a question yes um hi Noel. i as a holder of the first feta car racetrack i'm curious if we have another perhaps in the works or in the future thank you um, I think it won't necessarily be a cart game. It might be something similar um, to like hover bike type vibes, super speed racer vibes. Um, but I do also kind of want to get out of like um, the the racing game um, sector. <laughs> uh, I do want to definitely get into like a platformer and um, sort of like quest based games and stuff like that. Um, I've been I've been really enjoying stuff like that. So what I'm hearing is that the cart tracks are more scarce now and um, rarer. Interesting. Literally super rare. And like the secondary needs to pump right now. This is, this, (laughs) this is financial advice. 
<laughs> this one is financial advice. Uh, and another thing I wanted to ask about was just the uh, 3D printing and like being able to bring your sculptures to real life. And has that impacted how you design characters for then seeing them like IRL or I don't know, just curious about 3D printing in your work. So that's funny. Um, so yes, shout, big shout out to 3D printing. Um, I've been loving sort of bringing the characters to like a physical form. Uh, I did have like a month or two when I did first get the printer and I was like, I got to change all, everything about my characters to make them easier to print. And, and that's when I made like that super thick body uh, feta um, way back. Um, but I think I kind of got over it. Um, because I've, I've been getting better with, like, 3D programs, and I sort of just, like, simplify the model and stuff like that um, when I do want to print them. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it did mess with me a little bit. <laughs> gotcha. And that's actually, like, an interesting thing here that got me thinking, because Feta has had some uh, models updates, and I know that there's a place where you up, like, where you display the, the OG and up to the current one. So, like... The plushie also must have influenced it. Um, and I'm just curious, like, are you, I don't know, like, how focused is, like, lineage of, of uh, Feta models? And is it, like, Feta just kind of open to the interpretation, whether he's 3D or 2D? Or is there the definite Feta? Uh, that's an amazing question, Babul. Um, so I do want to expand on, like, the upgrades that Feta has gone through. Um, it makes no sense whatsoever, but I have been like slowly calling them like Feta version one, two, three, four. I think we're on Feta version four or five. Um, but the latest Feta is um, like based off of the, the plushie, um, like the shorts, uh, flip flops, and everything like that. Um, a bit more skinnier legs and stuff. He used to be um, like flat hands, like little stubs, a bit more teddy bear like. Um, and his texture used to be teddy bear um, sort of texture, like quilted sort of style. Um, so he has evolved a lot. Um, I think it's just... He used to have no evolved. hands. Yeah, he's just straight up <laughs> no hands. Um, I think it's just me evolving with what I think, um, or I, really what, what I enjoy. Um, it, I've always imagined Feta like um, very cute, um, sort of like well-known sort of face. Um, so I'm always like trying to think of how to improve that. Um, and then I definitely want to make it sort of like a wide variety, uh, once I do finally get like that, that final forever design. Um, but I feel like we're pretty close. Um, I do enjoy his vibes now. Yeah, I like his vibes too. And I, I feel like it's pretty cartoony and it's cool that you keep evolving him and you've also evolved TV man recently. So I'm curious behind the mindset of like, Upgrading a character versus introducing a new one. Is it because you want to involve TV man more? Um, upgrading them instead of, I mean, so technically I have like made new characters off of old ones. Um, if I feel like I could improve them, but upgrading them. Yeah, definitely. I want to sort of continue the lore of that character um, and a little bit of alpha, but TV man is a, a, a very primary uh, aspect of like the Fediverse lore. Um, his job is to sort of help you. I mean, he he's the reason why you see all the pictures and animations and, and renders of what's going on inside of the Fediverse. It's because he is like 
Feta's companion that follows and, and sort of records everything and helps him keep track of that data for like his, his cases and stuff. Um, Cause he is sort of tracking these characters that appear uh, within that universe as well. Is that, so I have the SEC on the other line. Is that financial advice? Yeah. Um, as the, the CC, the S, whatever they are, fuck them. That was real as hell. No, that was real as fuck. All right. Well, unless anybody else has any other questions or anything, I think we'll probably wrap this up. But thank you, Mel, for joining us. Thank you, everybody in the audience, to join us and everything. I, uh, it was great to finally get to talk with Mel about this stuff. Um, I've been wanting to interview Mel for a while, actually, so it's cool to finally make this happen. Thank you, King. Yeah, I love your questions, too. Um, also, three, wait, four, three and a half hours left on the auction, y'all. So retweet the tweet. Help your boy out. Thank you. Yeah. And I also, just one last time, we talked a lot about this earlier, so I, and I think most of the people will hear what we're here for it, but there really is a lot of value that he's providing with that. Like, it's not just like you're buying the piece. Like, you get, like, all the VR models and everything where you can use it in Webiverse, you can use it in Decentraland, like, any sort of platform like that. And that's really, you don't really see many artists that are doing things like that. So, I, uh, I think we have a lot of cool stuff from Null on the way in the future. And, yeah, I hope I hope that option goes even better than it's going right now. It's amazing you got the bid, but that shit needs to go up even more for sure. Thank you, King. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Thank you all for joining us and being interviewed today. I think yeah, we're big shout out to to, to Raz, Terrell, Avi, Alucard, Zwist, Cliff, Yagami, Cosmo, Reddy, Zion, Mr. Roboto. Big shout out to everybody. Shout out Bubble too. Big love. That's crazy. Big. <laughs>